a chicken cross the road. You get away from Paws! Wayne, thank goodness you're all right. Is everything okay? Honey, I shrunk the audience. While we do our final systems check, please make sure your seat belts are buckled and tray tables are in their upright and locked positions. You ready to make some history? Hello, my friend, and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 598, and I'm here once again not only to help you have the best possible Disney vacation experience when you go to the parks, but I also want to bring you some of that Disney magic wherever you are with the podcast, my live video broadcast on Facebook every Wednesday, videos, blog, books, audio tours, and more. Whether it's your first time visiting or if you've been to the parks hundreds of times, if you're planning your next vacation or just love the history, details, secrets, and stories, there's something in the show for you because each week I'm going to take you from the parks to the screens and everything in between. If you're a new listener, thank you and welcome. Please go back and check out some or all the past episodes for interviews, top tens, reviews, and more. You can subscribe to the podcast and Apple Podcasts and find everything else at www.radio.com. So while it's always exciting when new attractions open in the Disney parks, sometimes classic and beloved attractions need to make way for the future. But we as fans remember and miss these attractions, and so do the Imagineers, who often will place tributes and even relics throughout the parks. So this week, we're going to look at our top 10 extinct attraction references and tributes in the Walt Disney World parks, starting with Magic Kingdom. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week, and I'll pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package. Then stay tuned to the end of the show for more information, updates, your voicemails, and more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. Disneyland will never be completed. It will continue to grow as long as there is imagination left in the world. It's something that will never be finished, something that I can keep developing and adding to. Walt Disney clearly always said that Disneyland was and is not a museum, and that really does apply to not just Disneyland, but Walt Disney World. I think all of the Disney parks and properties, and I think in many ways, That is what has allowed the parks to grow and expand over time. But it also means that sometimes some of our favorite beloved attractions have to go away. Actually, we've talked about this many times in the past on the show and on the WW Radio blog. We actually talked about this idea of a Walt Disney World Museum. We called it the the Florida Project and sort of ideated what this permanent multi-story exhibit would be. I'll put a link in the show notes to where you can read it. But even if, hypothetically speaking, Walt Disney World was a museum, 
you know, keep in mind that even museums change their displays and exhibitions and content every so often as well. But all that is lost is not forgotten. In fact, it's often remembered and even missed by those who've experienced it and those who created it, which is why the brilliant and creative minds at Walt Disney Imagineering will often insert tributes and sometimes even relics of former attractions into the parks when new attractions are created and others replaced. But there are so, so many and so many good ones throughout the Walt Disney World theme parks that there's no possible way we could tackle it all in one segment and on one show. So we're going to break it down park by park starting this week, starting at the beginning in the Magic Kingdom. And so this week, we're going to look at our top 10-ish extinct attraction references and tributes in Magic Kingdom in Walt Disney World. And joining me is a man who, like extinct attractions, are sometimes lost, literally and figuratively, but can never be forgotten. He is Tim Foster from Guide to the Magic, Celebrations Magazine, and the brand spanking new-ish Celebrations Disney Podcast. Thanks. I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around that introduction. I'm lost. I'm extinct. You no, know, you're not extinct. You're you're sometimes not lost. Not yet. <laughs> Both on the show and in the famous Jedi. <laughs> oh, he's not but, extinct. But there not is yet. no way we could ever forget about Timmy. Timmy, we've been doing this a long, long time, my friend. And, and we have. And we've never. You know, we've sort of touched on some of these references and, and tributes. But before we get into the list right like are you like and i think the i know the answer to this but for for those listening you know are you like me in terms of being a nostalgic and when you visit the parks you think back to the early times like when was your first time visiting and sort of when you go now do you think back to those early visits and how things have changed yes well my very first visit we little timmy foster was there in 1971 other than me uh, thinking we had to literally climb out of the haunted mansion and down the tree that was up front, because that's what it said on my long playing vinyl record of the haunted mansion. Thank that you had to climb out of a tree. Yeah. Well, the story was you climbed. Well, the tree you. Wow. We're going off on a tangent right away. This is great. When you come out of the attic and go down the tree that was in the haunted mansion record, we talked about a few times and. In my little mind, I thought we literally were going to have to do that while we're waiting in line. I'm looking at the haunted mansion. There's a tree. I saved my dad. You see that tree there? Yeah. We're going to have to climb down there. You know what? It said on my record. That, you know. <laughs> that's, that's how You're poor you parents. <laughs> <laughs> now, 1993 was when I really started going. And yes, because one of the first... Uh, the first day was at Epcot. I've told the story a million times, but uh, heading over as the sun was setting from the Magic Kingdom on the monorail. It's October. Nobody's there. The music's coming out of the bushes. Everything's lit up. Everything's relatively new still. And yet that's when Horizons, the original version of Imagination, even World of Motion, all those attractions. Um, that is very much my first memory of Epcot and 
think of them every time I go, you know, and uh, how much I miss them. But but I am a great fan of progress, like a certain wise <laughs> man was Walt Disney. And, um, you know, it's tough. We talked about the saying goodbye to old friends, but there is always the promise of something new. And that's always the most exciting part. But that doesn't mean we miss the attractions that have gone away. But is there one is there one that it? you miss is there an attraction specifically that you miss most and wish was still in Walt Disney World whether it be Magic Kingdom specific or otherwise Uh well Magic Kingdom let's see say so I guess let's distinguish from earlier versions of attractions that are still there like Imagination or the TTA and I'm talking about the version I know not the original version cuz I <laughs> I confess, I my version I love wasn't the original version, so it's kind of hollow when I say they should never change it. They should always keep it the same. Well, they already changed it by the time I got to it. Um, Magic Kingdom is a good question. You can say Stitch's Great Escape. It's fine. Like there'll be I, this is a judgment-free zone. You know what? I will say extraterrestrial encounter, and I will say uh, uh, the. Uh, <laughs> The timekeeper. So you got me in a Tomorrowland mood now. So, yeah, I, 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 I have to say, extraterrestrial alien encounter is a, is a huge surprise to me. Knowing you as well as I do, and that you take the chicken exit on, yep, you know Mickey's Philhar Magic, yep. But that's fine. That's fine. Um, yep. No, I I thought, well, that that whole theater, whatever is in that building, which I'm actually going to talk about later, but I do miss all of that. Uh, Try to think what else. Uh, Mickey's two, <laughs> Donald Duck's boat. I, I miss Donald Duck's boat so much. Yeah. It's, it's clearly a thrill a minute when you go to the parks with Tim Foster. <laughs> um, Come on kids. We're going to Donald's boat. Um, but do you, you know, you know as, yeah. I know we are very much alike in that when we visit the parks, we look at it from a number of different perspectives, in, including especially as somebody who, you know, has the book and, and has your website and now a podcast. You know, we look for a lot of the details and stories and we know that Imagineers leave so many tributes throughout the attractions, especially when something is replaced, which I think are both wonderful surprises and an aha moments for guests when they find them or are introduced to them. And like, for me, like it's what I do. It's what I live for, like to seek out. And yes, that was meant to be a very vague Lord Murray reference, uh, seek out and, and look for these details, both big and small. Um, it's what, I mean, I look, I started writing trivia books and it's a lot of what I talk about in my audio tours, uh, which, you know, I'm going to reference a, a few times probably here. Um, but I want to know from you, Tim, let, let's sort of dive right into our top 10 ish list of extinct attractions, references and tributes in the magic kingdom. So when I propose this idea to you, what was the first one that came to mind or the first you put down or, or for you kind of the number one on your list. And if you want to save your big one till the end, that's fine. Again, your list is, is made up. However you have it in your head. Well, I'm going to roll out the big one just so you don't take it. 
Actually, the first thing I thought of when this was going to be throughout the parks was three for Epcot, two in the studios, one animal kingdom. Then you change the rules on me like you do every so often. Well, because often. I realized it was just too many. Like there, and there are, there are. For, right, so, there's clearly a, you know, yeah. uh, there's a, a boatload of them here. We would be here for Right, it actually hours, took a while hours. for it to get to. But anyway, so for the Magic Kingdom, there's, there's a couple... Uh, screaming obvious ones that I'm sure everyone thought of as soon as you said this. So I let's get them out of the way and talk about them. And we talked about them, oh, countless times on the show before. But um, one of my favorites, one of I think it's one of the first ones you would discover as a guest as you're just starting to get into this whole Disney thing and this idea that there's hidden Mickey's and secret references and all that. And I think one of the first ones everybody gets acquainted with is on. The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. And the picture of Mr. Toad, formerly of Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, the attraction that used to be in that location, handing the deed for the land and the building over to Al as a, a, a tribute to the former attraction and a, a visual passing of the torch on, if you will, to... Pooh and Rabbit and Al and Eeyore and all his buddies there. So, um, like I said, we've, I'm sure we've talked about that so many times. And I, I have a feeling when you people tune into the show, that's probably first on everybody's mind or right up there in the top two or three. So, that being said, I thought I would take it before you did and and throw it out there. And there's uh, there are a couple other Mr. Toad references around the parks. Which shall leave to you if you'd want to pick that ball up and run with it. Well, but it's always cool. And I still, it's funny because uh, I actually talked about this on my podcast. There, this idea that you come to the parks, we talked about the first things you do, those moments when you think you're in Disney. And one of the things I realized is for me and probably for a lot of other people, this is one of them. There's these, the little secrets or the hidden Mickeys, even though you've seen them a thousand times before no matter how often you go, you still make a point of looking for him. And every time I go on Winnie the Pooh, I know that sign is there. And I know there's so much other thing or that picture is there. There's so much more to look at, but I always make a point of looking for it and looking for, you know, that familiar hidden Mickey and haunted mansion or whatever. And that even though I've seen it, there's just something familiar and comforting and welcoming back home. If that makes sense. And, and seeing it again and, Yep, here I am. There it is. And there you go. And I, I love it. It's clever. It's great. And I feel like everybody in the world knows about it. Maybe they don't, but there it is. Well, and part of that, and we'll talk about this too, you know, part of the fun too is when we go with people who might not know that some of these exist, being able to point them out to them yeah. while you're there and sort of watching their eyes light up. And then they get to sort of pay that knowledge forward, which is part of the reason why I wanted to do this because I want to not only entertain and educate you much like Walt Disney World but I want you to be empowered with this so that you can pay it forward as you take your friends and family and kids to the park so let's sort of stay on Mr. Toad for a little bit and then sort of transition into one that is obviously directly connected let's sort of take a step back in time right so Mr. Toad's Wild Ride was an original attraction closed in September early September of 1998 Again, kids, this was pre-social media, pre-internet, if you can actually wrap your heads around that. However, at that time, there was 
a relatively equal outcry, right? So imagine, you know, the closing of Maelstrom now and what Twitter, the way Twitter reacted. No! A much more of a, you know, a micro version of that actually took place in 1998. Um, They actually, there were actually toad-ins, like there were sit-ins outside of the attraction because they were so upset that the attraction was closing. So there was this sort of grassroots website right after they announced that they were going to be closing it and replacing it with a rumored Winnie the Pooh and Friends attraction. So like a thousand letters were sent to Disney and all these fans in green shirts quietly, quote unquote, protested by sitting out in front of the queue. And they only had about a week's notice before it closed on Labor Day. But fortunately, like I said at the at the beginning, you know, not just the fans, but Disney gets it, right? The Imagineers get it too. And they wanted to give us not one, but multiple somewhat in, hidden homages to him, not just in this attraction, but elsewhere. So you mentioned as you're going through the um, as you're going through sort of that that first room, they're a little difficult to find unless you know where to look. You have to sort of look behind you, and there you'll see a number of framed pictures both on the walls and on the floor. So you mentioned Toad handing the deed over to Owl, but there's actually two other ones that you really have to sort of try and look out for. There's Molly. Um, who's sort of tipping his hat to Pooh, who's standing at the entrance to his tree. And there's another one that's really, really hard to find. It's Owl, and he's wearing a straw hat, and he has a like a handlebar mustache. That's a tribute to Winky from Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Now, I, you heard me just say things like, Molly and Winky. Yeah, like <laughs> <What>? this is <laughs> this is part of the reason why the attraction closed, right? It's not because... Mr. Toad's Wild Ride took, you know, these poor unsuspecting guests on a trip that actually literally brought you into hell and then out into the Florida heat, which you felt love just like, saying that <laughs> I do went to hell. <laughs> but, you know, the, the the characters from Wind in the Willows are obviously not as recognizable, as popular, certainly not as marketable as those from Winnie the Pooh. So it's a lot easier to sell Pooh, Tigger and Eeyore plush than it is to sell Mac Badger, Moly, and Winky. Like, those are probably not... Although today, if you did it, you know, the people would go clamoring to to get all of the plush. Um, So I I love the fact that both in that attraction, there are the tributes, and then, as I think you mentioned, Tim, we all know about the Mr. Toad that stands in the graveyard of Mm -hmm. the Haunted Mansion um, in in sort of the pet cemetery on the way out. And if you look very carefully, the... Mr. Toad statue that's there is actually based on a big fig. Remember the big fig figures that they sold years ago? It was actually based uh, on that. Uh, and I actually have a Mr. Toad, like a, a replica of the one in the Haunted Mansion. It's one of my favorite collectibles on my shelf um, in my office because I love Mr. Toad. I miss Mr. Toad. And it's a, always a must do every single time I go to Disneyland. You love Mr. Toad. I do love me some Mr. Toad. I, I will tell you, you asked me whether you know, attractions I miss. Um, fu- 
bear with me. I'm going to say that's not one of them, not because of how I felt about it. I came in at the tail end of when it was really around. So I didn't get much Mr. Toad experience. So, um, but, but I totally understand like why everybody, I don't know if I would have had a sit in for (laughs) Mr. Toad, if I loved it, but that passion about, um, loving attractions and hating to see them go as if they were old friends that I do get because there's so many that I do still miss to this day that you mentioned earlier, but I get it. But I love my Winnie the Pooh. So did you know, did you know bonus fact to me? Yes. yes. Did you know that Mr. Toad's wild ride, unlike really any other attraction, certainly until Maybe I mean you could sort of say Space Mountain because the two different tracks. One is a little bit the Omega track is a little bit longer than yeah. the Alpha track, but Mister Toad's Wild Ride actually had not one but two different and distinct tracks, and thus two different adventures depending on what side of the queue you chose. At one point there was a fork in the queue, if you chose left or right, you actually had the two slightly different adventures and i think it's still the first possibly the only time in disney park history that it happened and it happened for mr toad well there you go and i didn't know so i don't know which side i took i remember going to hell but (laughs) um yeah that is that is very cool that's one of the things i wish i would have experienced more but when we hey. go to Disneyland together, yeah. we're going to ride there Mr. Toad. All right. Now, the, the Zare, does it have two versions or is it just? It's a single. Oh. It's a single track. Single. Yep. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going it twice and you can give some in in ride narration and then you can switch it up and and annoy everybody around us. Like, oh, we're in hell. Thank you. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I'm just watching out for everybody, but it'll enhance the experience. So. I don't know where I'm going. I so did that, off did that the count as mine, as or is that just piggybacking? Was I was just was I just? Um, I don't know. Well, you you did throw the other. I threw you a softball with the, the pet cemetery <laughs> reference, which was an easy one. Well, you know what? So I, I'm going to. Well, I'm like just said, gonna... these these are very as much as they're uh, like those other references you saw. I actually. Don't remember seeing those. I have to check them out. But th- th- these, I feel like, are when you mention this, these are right up there as ones a lot of people know about. So, but now we're going to dig into the fun. All right. So, I'm gonna, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to connect the dots, right? So, for me, a lot oh, of these right. connect the dots, and and um, I, I'm going to lead right into my first ish one because we're we're talking about the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh in terms of its tributes to Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. And I want to stay at the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh, not just because Pooh and I share that same fluffy figure and shop at the same short and fat guy stores, but because I love the attraction and I love, love, love the sort of multi-step story that ties the many adventures to Winnie the Pooh to the attraction that I wish most would was still in Magic Kingdom, in Walt Disney World. Tim, go with me here. Follow along. I'm, connect I'm hanging the dots. on. In front of the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh at the start of the queue 
is the tree, right? The, the large tree, which if you are a small child or a small adult like myself, you can actually walk inside and see it's, it's Mr. Sanders' tree. This tree was actually reused and repurposed from the old play area which across the way, which originally located where Seven Dwarfs Mine Train is now. Let's go backwards. This tree was in an area known as Pooh's Playful Spot, which opened about 2005, lasted about five years to make way for Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, which opened in late, um, maybe early 2014. So what they did was they created this playground in the area that was originally part of the lagoon for 20,000 leagues under the sea, which was a late October 1971 through September 1994 attraction, sort of the Florida version of the Disneyland submarine voyage. It, it, would, it, it had intermittent openings and closings, became seasonal. There was obviously some issues with the lagoon. And what ended up happening was they uh, eventually closed the attraction. The lagoon sort of sat idle for a while. And then they removed the attraction completely and filled in the lagoon area. And what they did was they built Pooh's playful spot on top of that, which really served two different master, masters. One, it gave a place for young kids, and it very was 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 actually very clearly marked for two to five year olds to go and play. It had sort of that soft, rubbery ground. It was a um, there was a tree. There were some things that they could climb on, so that. The kids could expend some energy. The parents could sort of sit and relax a little bit. But what it also did, and it probably wanted to generate some merchandise sales as well, but what it also did was allowed the ground to settle for a number of years. This way, they could build the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. But if you looked inside the tree that they built at Pooh's Playful Spot, if you went inside, um, and I always waited till there was no other kids in there, um, but if you looked inside and looked over sort of the side entrance just above the archway, you would find a tribute to 20,000 leagues under the sea. There was this little carved Nautilus submarine that still has that same type of green patina that the sub uh, that the subs had when they were there. This is one of my, has always been, Tim, one of my favorite things to show people. Why? Because I get to drag adults into a place that 99.999% of them have never been to, especially if they don't have young kids. But you make them sort of get down low, get into the tree, and then look around, and they try and figure out something. And oftentimes they can't find it. But when you point it out to them, there is that wide-eyed aha moment, which I love, especially for those guests that have had occasion and remember riding to 20,000 leagues under the sea subs like I did. And by the way, I admit it all the time. I totally believed that they went underwater. You mean 20,000 leagues under, under the sea, obviously. Right. Of course they did. Just like the hydrolators went all the way down miles to sea. They (laughs) Sure. Do you remember the story of the woman that tried to sue Disney because she said that she had like <laughs> her ears popped and she got the bends? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, that 
And by the way, if you've never seen the 1954 live action movie of the same name, please fire up your Disney Plus and watch an amazing James Mason in in 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Oh, come on. Do your James Mason. No, please. You know you want to. And Pete Renaday actually did a a, a wonderful narration of Captain Nemo on the attraction itself. Good job. And just so you know, we're going to revisit 20,000 Leagues again in this segment. Well, you think because, uh, you know, I was going to piggyback to another 20,000 Leagues reference. There's actually quite a few. Um, I'll do this one because the more I think about it, one I'm thinking of is really kind of convoluted as far as connect the dots. I think there's a lot of dots to connect. I also feel like I'm making two thirds of them up, but we'll save that one for later. But um, uh, the one I'll go to, this is a quick one, but um, uh, likewise in that location, uh, along with the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, a new fantasy land came, expanding all of fantasy land back into that whole area. And uh, one of the other main attractions back there, and, and one of my favorite attractions in all the Magic Kingdom is the Journey of the Little Mermaid under the sea which I always get confused with Voyage of the Little Mermaid. But here's my trick, Lou. You ready? Good. J for Journey, G for Magic Kingdom. There. Mnemonics. Wait, what? Uh, you you just connected the... the letter G with the letter J, and that's J. how I'm supposed to remember? J. No, I get it. I, I'm, I, I pardon. We're going way off the rails here. Because you have Voyage of the Little Mermaid in Hollywood Studios. And I'm always a little petrified. I'm going to get them mixed up and call one the wrong thing. And every, you know, you, you, have you ever been to Walt Disney World? This is not Voyage of the, this is Journey of the Little Mermaid. So I came up with that little, all right, you know, let me get back to what I'm talking about. Please. <laughs> Sorry about that. Anyway, as you approach uh, Journey of the Little Mermaid and you're, and you're walking around, uh, heading to the queue uh, around the, shipwreck portion in front of the attraction there's all kinds of rocks and as you might expect there's lots of hidden secrets amongst the rocks plenty of hidden mickeys a really cool you have to look at it from a certain angle hidden mickey uh, but also in there much like in the tree at many ventures of winnie the pooh and i too like you lou and it was Pooh's playful spot and across the walkway i would wander inside Again, make sure I was alone but and look for that submarine because I always loved that too. And I thought that was really cool. I have a few very blurry pictures of it, which is great. Um, and I, but you, you take when you leave the tree and all these people are staring at you. It's, it's a Disney. You're fine. It's okay. But um, it is, is a fun, was a fun playground too, I have to admit. But uh, anyway, similar to that, over at Journey of the Little Mermaid, you will also find another carving of the Nautilus in the rocks uh, and the same idea. So uh, as much of a relevant tribute as it was on for Winnie the Pooh, because that Little Mermaid is also in the spot where 20,000 Leagues was, the lagoon and everything else. So, uh, you know, another reference to 20,000 Leagues, not too far away. And as you mentioned, there's quite a few and other attractions too, which we'll get to. Uh, but, that one was next on my list. So, so again, I love the continuing, continuing connecting of the dots because 
the Under the Sea Journey of the Little Mermaid has not one, not two, but multiple connections to 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Not just because it was built on the space where that giant lagoon that took us to Atlantis and Volcania and mermaids and volcanoes and the giant squids were, but because you can find some of those things now in Walt Disney World. So I mentioned first the squid. If you go across from the Under the Sea Journey of the Little Mermaid attraction, there's the H. Goff Cartography Shop, which is currently a DVC sales center. Obviously, we know H. Goff is... Harper Goff, the Disney artist who designed the Nautilus submarine for the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea film. But if you look above that sales center sort of booth shop area, there's a weather vane in the shape of a giant squid. Ooh. Right? I dig it. Also, did you notice that there's there wasn't so twenty thousand leagues obviously included mermaids, which is the connection to Journey of the Little Mermaid. So there's both mermaids. There's also a like the Winnie the Pooh tree. There's also a hidden outline of the Nautilus submarine in the rock work in the queue, as well as a few hidden Mickey's of the journey of uh, the journey of a little mermaid attraction. So as you're, you're walking through, you can find it's a much larger scale. It's sort of sitting at the half submerged into one of the little pools of water. Um, I'll, I'll try and post a picture in the show notes, but you'll find it's got almost that same patina and that large sort of eye shaped portal portal uh, on the side. Um, in, in the actual queue itself. And oh, by the way, there's also, and I have not been able to a thousand percent verify this story, so I will qualify it as a story, but it's something that sounds like Disney would do. When they closed 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, as Disney sometimes want to do, uh, Disney and cast members bottled up some of the water from the lagoon and kept it. And then when they opened up the Under the Sea Journey to the Little Mermaid, they poured some of this water from the lagoon back into some of the little tide pools that now surround Prince Eric's castle. That's cool. And wait, there's one. There's more? There's one more. Because where the Harper Goff cartography shop is, there's also a large statue of... Exactly. It's King Triton, which, by the way looks remarkably like a statue that was once found in Ariel's Grotto, which occupied the space like eons ago um, in Walt Ariel's Grotto was a water play area that was there. And it actually is pretty much, and I think it's taken from the same mold, a duplicate of a bronze colored, I don't think it's actually bronze, but a bronze colored King Triton statue that was once in Disneyland's Fantasyland. Whoa! It was a like it was a fountain that used to um, spout water. Like he was in the middle of this little pool and used to spout water, and it was beautiful at night, especially all lit up. When you when you say whatever phrase you suspiciously similar, as in the same one, or I, I think it's taken replica. from the same mold. 
I, I think ah. it's just taken from the same mold. Um, this the, the the Triton's Garden, King Triton's Garden in uh, Disneyland, I know had a bronze colored one that had a fountain that came out of his trident. But I don't know if it's the exact same statue or probably just cast from the same mold. Because the one in Walt Disney World obviously is not a fountain. Interesting. Very cool. I can piggyback on this if we want to keep connecting yes. these dots. Do it. I'm so excited. I have a huge smile <laughs> All right, on my face. Some of this <clears throat> All right, some of this is legit. And I'll confess, like you, well, you you come from more of a base of knowledge than my wild speculation some of this may clearly be connect the dots and go with me here and i have no idea if i'm making stuff making connections that aren't really there but let's start at its simplest so another reference to uh 20,000 leagues under the sea can be found in all places space mountain no which huh no no yes why? I'm trying to build a little bit of suspense. I don't know. But um <laughs> well he and well we'll start simply and then let's work backwards to connect the dots. So so right away, um in one of the post show attraction scenes as you're heading back up to Tomorrowland, there's all these uh scenes you pass by as you walk out. Some of them going way back to when the attraction first opened with a couple of redos, but some are new with the refurbishment from a few years ago. And one of these scenes, there is a, a flat screen TV that's flashing up different things. <laughs> one of them, like the first one I saw, which I thought was kind of funny. It's just like an ad for dive, the coral moons of Pisces. That's pretty cool. But then as I watch next up 20,000, light years under the sea so ha ha dig. ha i dig it i love it Re- reference of course Twenty Thousand leagues under the sea um uh, there's actually a couple there's some more references to other attractions in space mountain which i'm going to hold off on but keeping with this one so there's that Twenty Thousand leagues reference in the post show um I was actually pouring through my photo library in preparation for this, trying to find elusive things nobody's discovered yet. But one of the things I've been looking at a lot are the, as you enter Space Mountain and go through the queue, which was elaborately updated with, it's been a while, but with that last refurbishment, lots new, uh, there's interactive games and new screens, viewports and all sorts of things. Um, One of the things that's in there is, several of them, lots of uh, star maps, if you will, of different sectors of the galaxy. And one of them, and I'm trying to, this is where I'm, I might be connecting the dots in my own head and it might not be real, but I feel there's something to this. One of them is called, according to the legend, um, it's sector three, the Triton stations. And these are actually the moons of, let me get my planet right, the moons of Uranus is what they are including Miranda, uh, 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 well, I can't, uh, whatever they are. One of the moons is Ariel. Hmm. So you go, huh, interesting. And Triton, of course, being King Triton. Although in the, I, I was kind of looking it up. The, the Triton's a moon of Neptune, I think, not of Uranus. But And the, the mythologically, the 
moons are named after Shakespeare and characters, whatever. But so I'm trying to connect the dots, though, between forget, forget the Shakespeare, forget the solar system, forget all that stuff. There's Ariel in Space Mountain who has an attraction where 20,000 Leagues used to be. And if you get to the end of Space Mountain, you'll find that tribute to 20,000 Leagues, one of the view screens. So there, I'm, I'm wildly connecting dots. I have no idea if they actually have anything to do with each other at all, or I'm just making this up in my own head. But it works for me, and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> well, I appreciate the honesty. You know, look. The effort. The it's- effort's there. <laughs> it's like seeing seeing Mickey Mouse in the stars up in the sky when you just but I think as Disney fans, we want right, we want to see some of those things, right? We we, well, we really it, it, want to see some well, of those. Well, this is funny because I was researching all of this really hard to try and find a wow, and it sort of connects, and maybe it does. And I just haven't looked at it enough, but uh, yeah, but you know, have fun. And maybe somebody knows that there actually that actually is a literal connection, and I should know better, or who knows, or I just made it up. So. But the screen is really there, though, whether it means anything. We'll leave it up to you to decide. I um, uh, I, I did forget and not even think about um, the additional 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea reference there. So I dig that a lot. That That's real, though. That that one's real. So. <laughs> well, you got the rest, one right. So. The rest. <laughs> we'll see. But well, actually, I was trying to think of why. Uh, and again, there's other Space Mountain references I'm sure we're going to get to. But why? Like, you can understand why Winnie the Pooh and Journey of the Little Mermaid, you'd have references there, being that's where the 20,000 Leagues used to be. As far as Space Mountain goes, it's kind of far flung from there. I was was actually trying to get in my head, knowing there is a 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea reference, but why it's Space Mountain, which doesn't have anything to do with that section of the park. And then I found the star map, and there you go, so. Yeah, we could almost sort of dissect. There's a lot of things in that queue, um, in, including some of the early portions where you walk down the stairs on some of the boards. Um, right. That are some yeah. pretty neat details. So, yeah, well, that's uh, a whole I, other. I, I'm going to um, I'm going to try and go with one that I know to be true. Tim Foster. Um, just thank <laughs> just, you. Bring us back to uh, yeah. I'm going to bring us back reality. to potential reality and <laughs> two beloved current and former attractions and the connection between seven dwarfs mine train that is that a gasp because you're so excited or a gasp because i'm going to take this no because that was next on my list but go for it if you want me you know what tim instead of going there (laughs) i won't do that to you i will go you know what i'll save that one for you i want to give you the full gravitas of wait you're probably going to take my uh no, you can do it. You, I'm sure you can do it more justice. So, <laughs> no, you you do another one. I'll come back to this, and then you can fill in the blanks. So. All right, I'll do a different one, and then you can do <laughs> Seven Dwarfs Mind. There Train. we go. How's that? Uh, instead, instead, actually, Tim, I'm going to connect the dots for you because the there attraction that I'm going to talk about is going to directly, at least, it better connect you to Seven Dwarfs <laughs> Mind Train. Ready? Jungle Cruise. Yeah. Here we go. All right, let's go. We're yeah. going to stay in Fantasyland. And we're going over to the Princess Fairy Tale Hall, which, as I'm sure, is a favorite of yours, because who yeah. doesn't love to go and meet Anna and Elsa, as well as some of the other wonderful Disney princesses? 
Before this attraction opened uh, in 2013, this location was occupied by the aforementioned Snow White's Scary Adventures, and there are actually multiple references and tributes, and yes, even a few relics, to that attraction in Princess Fairytale Hall today. Even before you walk in, as you stare at the gorgeous, very regal, which, by the way, happens to match the new colors of the castle, just saying, the purples mm. and the blues of the exterior of Princess Fairytale Hall, you'll notice that there are um, these columns as you first walk in that are topped with crowns. They sort of deck the tops of those posts. Those actually were not created for Fairytale Hall, but those were actually part of the entrance to Snow White's Scary Adventures. Now, if you go back to the opening of Walt Disney World, the idea was that you were in this sort of medieval-type fair, and many of the fanciful exteriors and tents were to make you think that you were within the castle keep, and there was this fair going on, and those crowns were on the tops of poles. They almost also kind of looked like they were like jousting lances, which you'll find in other locations in Fantasyland, but they had these blue columns with these gold crowns, and then they were repurposed and made a little bit more opulent in terms of the columns for Princess Fairytale Hall's exterior. Now, and actually, when you go inside, you'll see crowns, obviously, through chandeliers and a lot of the other little decorative elements. But once you get inside Fairytale Hall, there is a storybook on display, very much like the uh, opening segments of some of the early Disney animated featured films, including one Snow White and Seven Dwarfs, which, by the way, this storybook is open to. It's open to the story of Snow White and Seven Dwarfs, paying direct tribute to the original occupant of this space. And oh, by the way, it's written in Ger in German because Snow White was originally a German fairy tale. Can you say the German name? No. I Listen, okay. I have a tough enough time with Pronounce English, let alone... Well, so. that's true. That's true. Yeah. That's fantastic. And Well, hey, Lou, guess what? I can think of another... Attraction has reference to Snow White Scary Adventures. Um, this would be the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. And I, I'm aware of two, and you may know of more. So this is where you can fill in my blanks. This also gets into a little bit. I'm sure these were tributes, but sometimes uh, so later on in my list, I have a few that uh, I'm not sure if there's so much tributes as they are repurposing of <laughs> unused assets or Something like that. But I'll go for the tribute. It makes a nicer story. So if, unlike me, you're riding Snow White or a Seven Dwarfs Mine Train and you're heading up the peak to go back down, if you have your eyes open, unlike myself, because I'm already <laughs> bracing myself for what's to come, but you may notice a pair of vultures sitting on top of the crane the jib of the crane, um, which are very ominous and scary and creepy and all that, but they were actually from the figures from Snow White's Scary Adventure. So they got, I think when they were when they were uh, building the attraction and putting the final touches on, the Imagineers got them and put them, added them into the attraction at some point. 
as a tribute to Snow White's Scary Adventures, which was the namesake of, of Snow Seven Dwarfs, of course, and all, and all that, but a tribute to the former attraction. And similarly, and again, I think this might be more of they were repurposing assets more than a formal tribute, but nonetheless, as you... And by this time, my, my eyes are open when you get to the cottage of the dwarfs and you can peer inside as your mind train slows for ever few brief moments. You can look inside. You can see Snow White and the dwarves dancing around inside. And there's that witch on the outside, but we don't have to worry about her right now. But uh, some of the figures were new, newly uh, fabricated for the attraction, but some were from Snow White's Scary Adventures. Uh, which, if my math is correct, would be like work, uh, work, grumpy, doc, uh, bashful, sleepy, and happy. Those dwarves that you see in there were actually ones, uh, the same figures that were in Snow White's Scary Adventure. So, a tribute to the attraction that came before, and very fun to see and to point out to people who don't know it. I know the the vultures was very much talked about when. The attraction was about to open. Um, uh, Disney had it on their blog that they put them in there, and um, which was, uh, you know, a nice touch that we all thought was very, very cool. Uh, nowadays, people might not be aware of that, especially if you haven't been to the park or you're, you're new to the park and that sort of thing. But that's fun to point out to people that hey, those vultures, yeah, they used to be across the way, and they were just as scary there as they are here. So I love this one so much because it is so relatively obscure right because you're not necessarily focusing on the vultures and you might not re- remember them from the from their their placement in the original attraction and that they also appeared in the film they were in the snow white and the seven dwarfs film so so they're they're directly connected to the um the original 1937 animated feature especially after the Spoiler alert! After the uh, the queen starts to uh, to fall to her uh, to her death because of the lightning strike, but did you know that these vultures actually make a cameo appearance in another Disney animated film? No. Yes, Tim Foster. If you look, and I'm gonna. This is a. I'm not. Oh God, I wish I could could connect this dot. But Wreck It Ralph. These no. These vultures, or at least ones that look a lot, lot like them, actually make a brief appearance in, wait for it, in Melody Time. Get out of here. You get out of here. So the 1948 film Melody Time, there's a, um, there's a, 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 a very short segment of these vultures that are circling these travelers in the deserts and boy oh boy they sure look a lot like the same vultures from now granted they're probably not the same because the original vultures were in germany these are in the united states but i have a feeling (laughs) that they are somehow related at least in the animators (laughs) references um in terms of and there's actually you can find vultures in a lot of disney films you can find it in uh, I thought you were going Jungle Book, actually. Fantasia 2000. Um, yeah. So, so there you go. There's my there's the, my the liver puddly and vultures in Jungle Book. They're my favorites. There you go. So okay, so I don't know that I actually could necessarily connect 
the vultures, but I will I will keep us in fantasy land. Uh, I will keep us in fantasy land just so you don't have to walk too far. And more importantly, I'm also going to bring you inside the air conditioning. Oh, thank and, you. And Tim, it's an attraction that you can enjoy. Oh. Because it's Mickey's PhilharMagic. <gasps> I love Mickey's PhilharMagic. And you don't have to even, you can even take the chicken exit to Mickey's PhilharMagic because you don't have to even go into the actual show to find Ooh. references and tributes to the attraction that originally occupied this theater. Oh, Mickey Mouse review, how I remember and love you so. Oh, yes. It was an opening day e-ticket. That's how good it was. It was an e-ticket. It later became a D-ticket attraction. And we'll talk about what eventually happened to Mickey Mouse review. And it had this wonderful short film um, that showed how uh, color and sound was used in uh, Disney animated features in this wonderful um, pre-show and showed a lot of different Mickeys in his various roles throughout the year. But the main the the main attraction was this audio animatronic Mickey Mouse and this orchestra of not one, not two, not three, but sixty. Count them sixty different Disney characters rising up from the stage, playing and singing different tunes like "Whistle While You Work." Back, see, I'm connecting you back to Snow White. Hi ho! Ah, there was three little pigs, Alice in Wonderland, the three caballeros, fairy godmother, Br'er Fox, Br'er Bear, Br'er Rabbit were singing zippity doo dah more than two decades before Splash Mountain would open. I love this attraction. It ran until uh, late fall 1980 before it moved to yes, Tokyo Disneyland. And although the <laughs> The the theater was closed for a while. Uh, we would sometimes show Disney cartoons and then Magic Journeys from over. Well, now I'm connecting you to Epcot. There was a Donald Duck short short called Working for Peanuts. But I digress because in the queue for Mickey's Philhar Magic, you will find a number of coming attraction posters for um, uh, musical acts that you can find there including the Wolfgang Trio from Three Little Pigs, the Festival of Mariachis from uh, the Three Caballeros, all of whom performed musical numbers in the Mickey Mouse Review. I lo- I'll confess, I've seen those posters so many times, I didn't connect those dots. Probably mostly because I never saw Mickey Mouse Review. <laughs> the Mickey Mouse Review. First thing I saw there was the uh, Lion King, if I remember correctly. There, the, I'll tell you, the, the been posters of, in there are actually... They're so cool. And there's actually a Mickey Mouse review. Like, it actually, a, a very... Like, there's, I think I, I think it's still there. The Mickey Mouse review poster that might have been in there. But there's, there's a number of other um, posters in the queue that are very funny too even if they don't necessarily oh, reference yeah. and i'm not going to tell you all of them because i want you to um i want you to go and find them and at, like take your time looking through the queue you don't even if the queue is empty you don't have to necessarily um 
rush through it. There's a, a great um, genie singing the blues uh, poster in there. There's a reference to Ariel. Pagliacci, the sad clown, <laughs> is Willie the whale. Like, there's good, yeah. good stuff in there. And they're beautiful, too. I wish they sold those posters. Well, make it happen. That's a, the cool thing about Phil Harmat. Well, one of the cool things about Phil Harmagic for this purpose is that it rarely does have a super, super long line. So I can't remember a time I was in the queue portion of the in once you entered the building where there actually was a line, maybe once or twice. Meaning that you you can absolutely go in there anytime and just look to your heart's content. It's not like you're in the line and you have to move it along. You know, you do have a lot of opportunity to look around, but I thought you're going to, I was thinking of this, but I don't, I don't think it's a connection to anything, but the one thing, uh, <laughs> this has nothing to do with this show. I'm going to mention it anyway. <laughs> when you leave Mickey's Spell Her Magic and you're in the shop, I one day noticed, and you can all notice, they have, there's a the figure of Donald up in the, you know, presumably from the other side of the wall, or he's just mad screaming out there. There's also a figure of Mickey Mouse in his conductor suit. And if you look carefully, you can look up on his music stand and actually see the music, actual music for the Mickey Mouse March, M-I-C-K-E-Y-M-O-U-S-E, which I thought was kind of a neat touch as something that you it's it's hard to see anyway because it's up in the air it's above you and you really have to i think i'd actually hold my camera up take a picture of it see what it was but it's not referencing anything so much maybe but um thought that was cool boy that was a journey to nowhere sorry about that (laughs) uh, let's see that's gonna be the title of your autobiography a journey to nowhere i like that i like that i'm gonna Get that URL. I was going to say, I want to beat you to getting that that domain name. <laughs> Let's see. There's hmm, where do I go? I all right. You tell me. I got kind of a another really obvious one. I'm sure a lot of people are thinking of. I'm going to hold that because I'm sure we can go back and forth together on this because there's a lot to it. I, I'm going to do one that I literally is, have no idea what you're talking about. By the way, oh, you will when I say it. You're going to go, okay. oh, that one. Yeah, it's the other. In my mind, it's the other big one that's in Magic Kingdom. But we'll come back to it. I still have no that's idea what some, you're talking about. But that how's that for foreshadowing and building up the anticipation? Because right now, I'm going to pop the balloon and go with one that really is so much of a here we go one. I don't know if oh, it really gosh. counts on this list, but I'm going All anyway. Right. No, because it's something I, I, I feel like I discovered this all by myself. <laughs> and I'm so I'm still so proud of it. And this actually falls into the category of uh, it's a tribute of sorts. And I will amend it. It's of sorts. I am going to connect the dots. Trust me. But it's also a tribute that itself is no longer there. So sorry, you can't go see it right now. So it's actually a tribute for something that wasn't there anymore that in itself isn't there anymore. Confused yet? Well, here we go. So God, I'm so confused. <laughs> All right. So I'm... <laughs> Loosely connecting the dots from a space mountain, which all it means is I left and I'm walking back across the Tomorrowland Courtyard to Buzz Lightyear's Space Ranger Spin. And uh, the thing I found, and actually it speaks to the history of that attraction building, which has had a lot of occupants over the years, 
in the gift shop, and this isn't there anymore, but because they a few years back they repainted or redid the interior, didn't really change it much, just gave it a facelift. But this was one of the casualties, as well as a hidden Mickey. I always loved seeing, but it's not there anymore. This was um, a image of Stitch, and it was very small. It was only you know maybe two or three inches painted on the wall in his spaceship flying around. And you could say that was a tribute to Stitch's great escape, but that actually was at the time still there. So it wasn't a tribute to a lost attraction. I guess it was just uh, look at where this rascal got to. Now we got to go catch him. But on his ship was, were a couple symbols. And as any fan of Tomorrowland knows, there's especially with Stitch's great escape, they had a whole other alphabet created which was all over Stitch's Great Escape. All the signs were translated into this language. The newspaper in, at the newspaper boy stand by the TTA was all written in this language. And in fact, we translated it. It was all about how Stitch escaped and da-da-da-da-da. But anyway, on the – so I spent a lot of time <laughs> like um, Ralphie in Christmas Story with my – Little Orphan Annie decoder ring. I'm, I'm decoding all these messages, not the ones where, you know, it's translated right above it in English, but sometimes they're just by themselves, like the newspapers. They're fun to translate. But anyway, taking that information, I looked at the symbols that were on Stitch's little tiny ship to realize they were numbers, and they were the numbers seven and two. 72. What could that mean? Well, what year did the Magic Kingdom open, Lou? 1971 it did so i went well hmm, that ain't right but then realized that the building that buzz Lightyear is in originally home to if you had wings and dream flight and all that that opened in 1972 so i thought that was a pretty or it was just a random number that didn't mean anything but it was pretty clear that that was a reference to the year that that particular Part of the Magic Kingdom opened, which did open a year later. And uh, uh, so you can call it, it's, I think it's a reference to, and there's so many of these two year references to when parks opened and things like that. Admittedly, this might fall more into that category than to an attraction, but you could make a case that it's a tribute to not just that building, but the attractions that were in there, namely starting with if you had wings and, and all the predecessors to Buzz Lightyear's Space Ranger spin. So a tribute of sorts to attractions that came before. I dig, and I'm going to continue connecting the dots. Here we go. See? Because you want to talk about, listen, here's where you get bang for your buck, kids, because it doesn't cost you anything to listen, so you're going to get what you pay for. (laughs) But this is the Obscura of Obscura, and I almost... Didn't mention it because it's so obscure. How obscure is it? It's so obscure. I want you to stay with me on Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin. I am both tall enough to ride it and it is not scary for you because inside Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin, there's a lot of it that really hasn't been changed very much since the original iteration of If You Had Wings, including the track layout and some of the large and small elements inside. So remember, if you had wings, 
and the attractions that, that came after it, Take Flight and Delta Dream Flight, were meant to explain and explore the history of air travel. And then when Easter Airlines was a sponsor, you could actually, you could see all these exotic destinations that you could go to. And believe it or not, Timmy Foster, you didn't exit into a gift shop. You exited into a travel agency as part of their deal with Disney. So if you wanted to book a magical vacation (laughs) to one of these magical destinations that you saw in the attraction, you could go and do it. However... If you remember, the there was that sort of speed tunnel that you mm-hmm. went through that had these like sort of um, uh, sped up uh, scenes of you skiing and water skiing. Well, that 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 tunnel is obviously still there. That that speed tunnel is still there. But now you've got this projection, so it looks like you're you know in space with Buzz is spaceship. But before you even get there. There was actually, um, you were sort of meant to feel like you were going into a giant turbine engine to see how jet planes were being able to be taken off. And there used to be, and there actually still is, this red um, flashing light that was there from the original attraction when it was there. However, one of the most obscure details you will find is not a light, it's not a tunnel, it's not a track, but it's a chicken. <gasps> I kid you not. Chicken. There are not one, not two, yeah. but three chickens in front of your in in the volcano room. You'll if you look very carefully near one of the targets, there are three. It's like chickens on a stick, not in the yummy, delicious kind of way, but there are three cutout figures of these three sort of wacky chickens those were actually taken from the i think it's the first room in dream flight which was showing you the the very early history of of flight sort of taking place in sort of rural america so there was this sort of you know wide open sort of farm scene that's where those chickens came from that's where they still remain tying back to the theme and dream flight attraction. But are they worth 50,000 points a piece? They are not Timmy Foster, hmm. but it sounds well, like you're challenging me to a throwdown. That's sort of what I feel is going to happen. Oh, well the day you get 999,999 on both guns by yourself, then come talk to me. I kneel before Zod. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> we won't add that the ride broke down, but that's well, you're right. I would say, how long was the attraction down? But <laughs> that's fine. It was down for a good two hours. It Clearly, fun. it must have been uh, for you to get that, that, those hundred those hundred point targets add up slowly, but they add up. But you can and you should get nine hundred ninety nine thousand every single time. If you know where to look, if you know where to go, maybe I'll have yeah. to do that on a video or a live video or a post or something. I'm sure many, many of you are screaming at your phones or your cars or your iPods or whatever. Right. iPods. Look aim for the aim for the back of the anyway. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if that counts as mine or yours or just. Yes, it counts as yours. Oh, OK. <laughs> we're in the same attraction. So go ahead. Wait, where, where are, you going are next? we? We're in Tomorrowland. We're still in Tomorrowland. 
All right, let me get let me go to this one because I, I'm surely going to leave out a few related references. So this would be a good one to work together on. This is the one I also thought would be right up there in the first one that came to people's minds. And the particular reference I'm thinking of is on the Tomorrowland Transit Authority People Mover <gasps> or the TTA. That is so that, that name is so long. Anyway, now I confess that this changes frequently, and it was there the last time. Who knows what's going on? But one of the things I love, well, we were talking about your my first, when I was first at the Magic Kingdom, what do I miss the most and that sort of thing. This is one of the things I miss the most, but it's not a closed attraction, but it's the version of the TTA. I think I referred to that earlier specifically, but the version where you traveled you were actually traveling through the fictional backstory of tomorrowland that they had put in place where you were going to the hover burbs there was a red line and a green line in addition to the blue line you were on on the tta the retro metro historical society all of these things which were part of the backstory that was interwoven all throughout the narration of the tta and one of the things i remember from there was the page for Mr. Morrow, Mr. Tom Morrow, which isn't the reference I'm ultimately getting to. But that page was funny, you know, even even if you heard it 137 times, it was still funny. But it would come and go, uh, I think when they refurbished the TTA and put what is basically the current narration in there, which is more of a tour of real life Tomorrowland. There's Space Mountain, there's the Astro Orbiter, that kind of thing. Um, i trying to remember how this went. I think that page went away, then it came back, then it went away. Um, I believe now, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, the page goes, paging Mr. Morrow, Mr. Tom Morrow, please contact Mr. Johnson in the control tower to confirm your flight to the moon. And that's the reference I'm thinking of, because that, of course, maybe you don't know, is a reference to the Flight to the Moon attraction and Mission to Mars, which would come later in uh, 1975, Flight to the Moon being uh, not quite an opening day attraction, but close enough. And one of the few I remember when I was a little child in 1971, and this is where Stitch's Great Escape was, and it was a theater in the round where you sat in seats and you actually looked at a viewport on the floor which would show you your flight to the moon. I remember the seats would kind of uh, move up and down, so to speak, to kind of simulate your, your blasting off into space. A very rudimentary simulator, if you will. But uh, Mr. Johnson was the flight director in the backstory of that. And there was an animatronic figure of him, as well as many other uh, animatronic figures and um, things like that. So, I always thought that was a cool reference, not only to the Mr. Johnson character, but to the please confirm your flight to the moon. In other words, the actual attraction that it's referencing. Uh, but as I said, I think this is just the tip of the iceberg because the the Tom Morrow, Mr. Johnson references are much more prevalent than this, this one. There are plenty of others around in other parks as well, which uh, we'll get to maybe in other shows, but at least for this one, I'm sure, Lou, you can fill in so many more 
blanks and interesting details I might have left out. But that's one of my favorites, and that's one I think a lot of people probably went to, that and Mr. Toad. At least those are two that came to my mind right away when you mentioned this topic to me. So I'm happy that you did, and I'm somewhat surprised that you did. And you got both Mr. Morrow and Mr. Johnson from Skyview Hovercraft One. Um, so there you go. I, I See, like the fact the yeah. blanks we fill in. I, I dig, um, and believe it or not, this is still like meant to be a top ten. So I'm not actually talking about every single one that's here, right? Because I'll I'll let you know where you can find some other ones and how you can find out more too. <laughs> but I will stay in Tomorrowland. And I'm and Tim, I'm at a bit of a conundrum because oh, there's no. a reference to a former attraction in Tomorrowland that doesn't reference an attraction in Tomorrowland. So does it go here or does it go in the when we get to the other parks, does it go it with the attraction itself that is referenced elsewhere? I think I'm going to do that. I think I'm going to hold off. I think the off. rule is the reference has to be in this park. I all right. I Yes, that. the actual reference is the yes what it's referring to is irrelevant when actually we i skipped one so yeah <laughs> where the reference can be found uh so i'm making up the rules as we go that's fine that's it's not even do. my show it so is what is we do here that's fine um so there's a, you know i have just a couple of do you have any more in tomorrowland uh well yeah one i i thought of and you might this might be one you're thinking of for that very reason so there's a, was, there's a couple of, of – Yeah, that's all I got in Tomorrowland. Yeah, there's a couple of like very minor ones, and I'm going to throw in an extinct one just for Ooh. giggles. And I'm going to do that right here because I feel like it. And we just talked about <laughs> if you had wings. And this was a – it was a super subtle – like if you blinked audibly, you would miss it. And it's an extinct, an extinct attraction referencing an extinct attraction. I'm talking about the timekeeper and its connection to If You Had Wings, which was obviously an attraction that took place in that same sort of show building on that side of Avenue of the Planets. So when um, when, when If You Had Wings closed, there, there was not this obviously same type of huge outcry as there was when Mr. Toad's Wild Ride closed. However, I think there was a lot of people like me and my dad, who loved this at the time, free attraction. Remember, going back to when you had A through E ticket books and you had to pay a small amount for each attraction, depending on whether it was an A, the lowest level, or E ticket, sort of the most exciting attractions. If You Had Wings was always a free attraction, but when it closed and moved on to Delta's Dream Flight and eventually Take Flight, there was another Tomorrowland attraction that paid very subtle tribute to it, I believe intentionally, and it's the timekeeper. And it's when timekeeper tells Jules Verne, you can't fly. If you had wings, I'd let you go. I think those four words, if you had wings, were very deliberate and wanted to reference the extinct, if you had wings attraction. Very cool. You know, it's funny. You said, if you had wings closed... And I thought you were asking me if my wings were closed. Oh, God. Sorry about that. Yeah, please, please. Um, <laughs> so, so no, it sounded fine. No, that's very cool, though. Actually, I love the timekeeper. That one sailed over my head. So Too, good, good one. Well, good job. Rest in peace, Robin Williams. Yeah. 
Did you have another one, or was that? I mean, I still. Uh, have, I mean, I have it. I have another, and I think technically they're both extinct. So I'm no. gonna I'm gonna lump right. these two together because it's super super minor, and again, it's not visual; it's auditory. In the Tomorrowland Terrace slash Noodle Station slash whatever it may be called, the names change over time. It is very, very, very seasonal, um, but I'm basically talking about the Tomorrowland noodle station reference that's catty-cornered in between the Avenue of the Planets and Main Street, USA. Um, I, I've always loved this restaurant. I think it has some of the best views of Magic Kingdom. Huge area, whatever. But actually, in this location, for some reason only here, there is a um, there's background music that I have not heard anywhere else in Tomorrowland, and it actually plays a song that is now extinct, and I know this is blasphemous to some people. It is one of my favorite extinct attraction theme songs, and dare I say, possibly even a personal, emotional, and sentimental favorite over the current version. What are you talking about, Mangello? What are you talking about, Mangello? In Walt Disney's Carousel of Progress... The theme song is Great Big Beautiful. I know you're tomorrow. Going. Great big, Shining at the tomorrow. end of every day. Shining at the end of every day. Well, between 1975 and 1993, that song was actually swapped out. Um, the sponsor, General Electric, didn't want people thinking about what was going to be coming tomorrow. They wanted to be present in the day and by GE Appliances today. So it wasn't about thinking about there being a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. More importantly, now is the time. Now is the best time. Be it a time of joy and strife. There's so much to cheer for. Be glad you're here for it. It's the best time. That really, I'm doing this all from memory because I love this song (laughs) so much. If I wasn't such a bad singer, I would sing it. And they're both written by Richard and Robert Sherman, so they get equal love. But in the background of the Tomorrowland Terrace Noodle Station, which you can probably hear very clearly because it's often seasonal and you can go and sit there and get out of the sun, you'll hear an arrangement of the best time of your life as part of the background music. I love it. I never noticed. That's that's actually my favorite path to Tomorrowland is through there. I think it's a shortcut, but it might not be. But I promise you, next time I go there, we hang out a little bit. We'll go together. We'll go together. I love it. I'm I'm getting weepy right now because you're going to cry. You are. Keep keep going. Keep moving forward. <laughs> That's a cool one. I I realized I really have a couple minor ones. I'm going to knock those out and then you can sure. rattle off your, what do you got, 63 honorable <laughs> mentions or so? Uh, the one I think you were going to mention, and I don't know if you were kind of alluding to it, one last one in Space Mountain I wanted to mention was a reference to something in another park. Which I'm not sure if that's what that was all about, but uh, there's a reference to Horizons in Epcot, one of the attractions to answer your early question, I miss the most. But in the, again, in the post-show areas, you're making your way past this, the uh, different scenes. One of them is a baggage claim area. Uh, I think it's on your left. And on one of the bags, it's just covered with travel stickers. One of them says, I hope I pronounce this right, Mesa Verde? Mesa, but I that's pronounce fine. pronounce that right? 
There you go. Um, which is a reference to the desert farm, one of the destinations you got to visit in Horizons. And that scene, uh, there's a scene in there, I think it's that one or another one, the whole, uh, you're in, uh, there's a butler robot there and everything else. That All of that's also somewhat reminiscent of the butler and the, the home of the future that you saw in Horizons too. So a couple of references to Horizons. Um, Remember a couple yeah. minutes ago when I asked you if we were talking about references that are in the parks? <laughs> no, I, and I said if the reference, if the reference, the physical reference is in this park, then we talk about it. it this oh, is I thought reference. you meant the attraction the, that it was referencing. I meant the other okay. way. Okay, okay, I understand. See what I did there? I tripped you up with. So I will things. see your trip up, and I will follow you up with it. So that is. Wait, let me not- get rid of my get me get my last one. Then Go you ahead. can. Um, this falls into I just want to throw it out there because I did put it on my list but honestly I don't know if we want to call this a tribute or a uh, happy (laughs) accident over time as it turns out Um, but this is on the Jungle Cruise and uh, I don't think it was well it wasn't intended this way originally but this is the crashed airplane that you see oh in the early part of your journey and the, the fun part of that story, which always was, and I like pointing this out to people, especially when this was open. Again, I'm going to another park. This is okay, according to the rules that I set forth that you weren't paying attention to, clearly, early on. But uh, this was a reference, not a reference, but the other part of that plane could be found in the Casablanca scene in the now-closed Great Movie Rides. So it's it's one of those fun things I loved. Well, I loved pointing that out to people back when you could go to the Great Movie Ride, because I also liked when we were on the Great Movie Ride saying, "You see that plane? Do you remember where you saw it before?" Um, you can't do that today, obviously. And to be fair, I think we can. Well, I could call it this now, but I don't think I would really necessarily classify this as a tribute to a closed attraction because it was always there. And at the time, it wasn't a tribute to a closed attraction. It was just sister to a prop that was used somewhere else. But now that the great movie ride is closed and as long as people don't look in their history books, I'll call it a tribute to an attraction that's uh, long lost and beloved. And that cleans up my whole list. So you can take it away on, I think, yeah, 127, no, 67, listen, four, I, again, three, two, whatever you got. I uh, I realized in in doing this, and um, which is why I decided to just break it down by park. I almost could have broken down by land because there are so so many, but there are a couple that I do believe bear mentioning. Now I want to quickly go back to your post show Space Mountain luggage Mesa Verde yes. Horizons reference. Because there is not just that one, but Ooh. there's a second reference to an extinct attraction that's actually from Disneyland. <gasps> if you look carefully, you'll find a sticker that says Space Station X1, which was an early, which was a, a, an exhibit back in, I think, 1955 in Tomorrowland in Disneyland. Wow. Yes. I definitely missed that one. Didn't see that one. There you go. Um, 
you know, I almost wish that I could mention the the Tomorrowland Skyway Station as like the Rocket Tower Plaza ref, restrooms reference the old Skyway Station, but there really is sort of no touch point to it. Um, and you know, there's even some things too, and and this is what I love about this, Tim, is that there's so many there's so many references not just to attractions, but to movies like Cool Ship. I'm looking at you. Right, the Thirst Ranger spaceship from Flight of the Navigator, the Tramaxian ship from the the '86 film, like which I love walking by. But the thing that I thought you were going to go to and you didn't mention oh. is actually over in Adventureland, and it doesn't really reference an attraction per se, but I still believe it qualifies within the confines of the four corners of our definition, which is very much you know written in Jello. Because over at the magic carpets of Aladdin, we all know of the gold camels that spit water on unsuspecting guests. And if you see that the pavement is wet in front, bring an unsuspecting guest over and put them in front of it. A photo op. actually did not originate in Adventureland, but were part of the Aladdin's Royal Caravan Parade that ran over at Disney MGM Studios for about three years. I think it was like 92 to 94, 92, 95 they eventually became they eventually they were also put outside of the soundstage restaurant there for a little while when it was themed towards um Aladdin but now obviously it sits there and if you look very carefully in the pavement you're know, like the pavement where's there's actually um where that attraction currently sits you'll see that there's pieces of broken tile and jewelry and and things like that that tile the, all those tiles came from a fountain that used to sit in Adventureland right where the magic carpets of Aladdin currently sit. Very cool. And see, I gosh, I Wait, wish I was... Wait, that's why you wanted me to stand in front of the camel for the picture all those days. Yes, obviously. Ah, you, um, all right. I man, see how the, this goes. You know, there's... And, and I was trying to think, like, we really didn't touch on any in Frontierland. And I... and. While there are a few somewhat obscure ones here and there, um, I, I couldn't really find one that I felt worthy of making the list. But there's also, like, there's some great references. And, and what I love about this, Tim, is if you sometimes you have to not just watch but listen carefully, which is why I mentioned the one from Timekeeper. Uh, if you go into... This is not an, an extinct attraction reference. It's an extinct sponsor reference because there's still references to RCA and FedEx and Tomorrowland. But in Frontierland, specifically in the Country Bear Jamboree, today, Henry, our host, continues to pay tribute to a now extinct sponsor because at one time, Country Bear Jamboree had not one but two Concurrent sponsors, which was Pepsi-Cola and Frito-Lay. Yes, kids, at one point, you could actually buy Pepsi and Coke products in Magic Kingdom. Give that a second to sink in. But in the original show, and, and you can listen, Henry says, just refrain from hibernating and we'll all enjoy the show because we've got a lot to give. That was Pepsi's marketing slogan in the 1970s, which was, we've got a lot to give. And it was a direct reference to the sponsor of the attraction at the time. I'm still wrestling with the Coke Pepsi thing. 
I know. That was a thing. I could have done. Wow. Pepsi fans, what, you what, had what your. What I've done? You had your time. You had your time to do it. <laughs> Tim, I want to leave you with one. Okay. And, and and I know we are talking about Magic Kingdom proper, but this is actually one that is directly, and this is the one I'm going to end with. This is my last of all of my many possible oh. honorable mentions yeah. because I think this one. Everybody without fail has seen it, and I wonder how many people know where this originally came from. It's not really a tribute to to an attraction per se, but it's something that was repurposed from an attraction. Even before you get into the park, dare I say, even before you get into the parking lot. What? As you approach Magic Kingdom by car, you will see over the toll plaza that there is a large um, archway that welcomes you to Magic Kingdom. That actually was not built for Magic Kingdom and actually has not been there since opening day. That actually came from the Wonders of Life Pavilion in Epcot Center. The pavilion opened in October 1989, so it didn't open with the park. It was sponsored by MetLife initially. And when you first approached the pavilion um, from, you know, from, from Epcot Center, as you sort of started to go up the wandering pathway towards that gold dome building, there was this archway that had this very 80s pinkish purplish sign that said Wonders of Life and hanging below it had a sign saying presented by Metropolitan Life. This was there for a number of years. Um, it, It was sort of meant to look as though that it was floating on columns of water. Uh, It was there for a number of years. It was then taken down, and then they remodeled it, repainted it, and installed it at the parking entrance to Magic Kingdom, obviously without the water columns. That is the coolest thing I've ever heard. So there you go. That's, listen... That's the kind of obscure, nonsensical trivia that you get that that I um, that I fill my mind with. So yeah, and if you remember, <laughs> obviously it didn't. It's not part of the, the entrance plaza. But do you remember behind or sort of as part of that structure, there was this very tall um, statue uh, of DNA. It was called the Tower of Life. It was like this yeah. spiraling thing that went up, but it was gold and and where is that it? Seemed, I have no idea where that is. Oh. That's, that's probably been. <laughs> I haven't. That's really been, you know, destroyed somewhere. But um, yeah, and, and we'll we'll talk more about Wonders of Life. Now it was funny because the few life. pictures I have of Wonders of Life, I looked real quick to see if I and I, I must have gotten them after it was done. But no, but I'm looking. I was I was looking at the DNA molecule and I forgot. Oh man, that was so cool. So it's funny you said at that. the time it was. Yeah, and we'll when we get to Epcot Center, we'll we'll talk about Wonders yes. of Life and and. Sure, we will. The sensory funhouse and goofy about health and the wonder cycles. Come on, kids, let's go to Epcot and exercise. I don't even want to exercise <laughs> at home. Um, yeah, that was uh, yeah. But you know, <laughs> I wasn't. I, I was about the optical illusion. <laughs> not so much the cycle. 
Um, all right, one more just for giggles. One more just for giggles. You said you were done. I know, but I have this to. What you do? All right. If and because I wanted to include not just an attraction but a parade. So wow. next time you see the wonderful Festival of Fantasy parade, don't just focus on the fire-breathing Maleficent dragon, but also take a look because you'll find that is you'll you'll find Sebastian on the Festival of, of the Little Mermaid float. He was actually part of Spectro Magic. So a bit of a tribute, not really, just more of a repurposing, but I wanted to make sure I threw a parade in there too. Wonderful. I'll, be, I'll keep staring at the Maleficent Dragon. And look, Tim, it's so cool. this was meant to be a top 10-ish, but there are so, so many more references and Easter eggs and tributes and homages to attractions, Imagineers, locations, movies, TV shows, individuals, both real and imagined characters. I am going to somewhat shamelessly plug here because that's part of what I wanted to include on my audio tours of Magic Kingdom were you, not you, Tim, you, listener, and I walk somewhat hand-in-hand, although physically distanced. We walk through every single land of Magic Kingdom, and I take the time to point out and explain where these are, what they reference, how to find them, as well as lots of other history, details, secrets, and stories. There is a, I was going to say CD, but there is a an audio tour of each of the lands of Magic Kingdom, as well as a, a snapshot in time, really, to Mickey's Toontown Fair. You can still find them for just $10 each, or you can bundle them all at a special discount at the WW Radio store at www.radio.com, or... You can also find them in iTunes as well. Um, but, Tim, what I also want to know from the listener is what attraction that we talked about today, right, do you miss most from Magic Kingdom? What's maybe one of the favorite tributes that we didn't cover? I, we, Tim and I would love to hear from you. So the best way to let us know is by going being part of the community and conversation at www.radio.com slash community. You'll find a post about this week's show. Share, discuss it there, or you can even call the voicemail. Better yet, be heard on the air at 407-900-9391. Let me know what attraction you missed most or a favorite tribute that maybe we didn't cover. And then when you're done doing all that, Tim Foster's got so much good stuff going on, both at Celebrations Press and Guide to the Magic. So much coming soon stuff. It's exciting. But right now at Celebrations Press, our summer issue is out, of course. That is Mickey's Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway goodness in there, which I can't wait to get to uh, experience myself. Um, We're working on our fall issue, which I'll tell everybody we're going to do a lot of Halloween love for that issue because I'm going to miss Not So Scary. I'm sure all of us are. So we look forward to that. That'll be on September. But also in September, Lou, the big news. Still so excited, but we're getting closer. Guide to the Magic for Kids for 2020-2021. All updated. All new stickers. We should be launching that in another few weeks or so, having it up for sale. So um, but you can check out guidetothemagic.com to get a little taste of what's coming up. But that's what... I'm super, super excited about right now. I can't wait. Like I said, we have our podcast going, which you can get to if you go over to celebrationspress.com and 
I don't know if it's as much fun as this show, but we try and have a lot of fun too. We just <laughs> <laughs> we just did a show about uh, those moments when we say to ourselves, "Wow, I'm in Disney," and the first things we do when we get to the parks. Lots of laughs, lots of tears, lots of me looking for the chicken exit. You know how it goes, but that's what's going on. So. <laughs> Good. I will link to all of that little Timmy Foster goodness in the show notes, and of course, Tim, from here. We will make our way over to Epcot Center and continue yes. our discussion of our top 10 extinct attraction references and tributes. And again, we'd love to hear from you, your thoughts, your comments, even suggestions for other possible top 10s. Again, come to the WWE Radio community on Facebook and let us know. Timmy Foster, until we do this again. Yes. Now is the time. Now is the time. <laughs> Just sing it. You know you want to. Everybody wants to hear it. I'll wait till next. It's probably never, ever going to. You know what? As soon as I hit the stop button is when I'll start singing. At least James Mason. Something. 20,000 leagues under the sea. Such good stuff. Disney Plus. Get it. Journey to the center of the earth. Time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World's history or see how well you pay attention to the details, sometimes what you see, hear, remember, or even taste. If you think you know the answer, you can enter via our online form for a chance to win a Disney prize package. Of course, before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last week, I asked you to simply identify where in the world you heard this phrase... Or in this case, the lyrics, honey and rainbows are on your way. Take that frown, turn it upside down, and soon you'll find you're here to stay. Thanks again to the hundreds of you who got this one correct and knew, of course, that the answer is zippity doo from Splash Mountain. Now, what you might not know is that this song actually won the Academy Award for Best Original Song for the 1946 live-action and animated film, and it was actually not the first but the second in a very long line of Disney songs to win this award after When You Wish Upon a Star from 1940's Pinocchio. In fact, it even went on to be ranked number 47 in AFI's 100 Years, 100 Songs, which was a survey of top songs in American cinema. And you can actually learn more about the song, its origins, and the film in show number 305, where we talk about Song of the South and its connection to Splash Mountain. But I took all the correct entries, randomly selected one, and again, this week you are playing for all of my digital products, my 102 ways to save money for an at-Walt Disney World book, all seven of my virtual audio tours of Magic Kingdom, a WW Radio vinyl sticker, a Magic Band cover, and a mystery prize from my personal collection. I'm currently in the process of taking 10 items from my collection that I've amassed over the past four-plus decades and putting 10 new items up on eBay every single week. I only have so much room to house and display everything, so I wanted to share them with you. Ten new auctions every Sunday, starting and ending at 9 p.m. Eastern. Every auction starts at just $1, no reserve. You can check out this week's auctions by going to www.radio.com eBay. But last week's winner, randomly selected, is Davis Bennett. 
So Davis, use the online form. I have your shipping address and we'll get your prize package out to right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay. Because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So this week, I'm going to continue with the theme of Disney films that inspired or potentially inspired theme park attractions. Because an attraction based on what Disney film was at one time planned for Italy in World Showcase in Epcot. At one point, there were plans to build an attraction or even maybe sort of a mini land based on what Disney film. Now, first things first. If you're saying, Lou, this question sounds familiar, it's probably because you saw it on my Instagram earlier this week. Now, first, thank you for following me at Instagram.com slash Two, now you know the answer to this week's trivia question. And third, let me explain why. Because in the past, I've been doing daily Disney trivia on my Instagram stories where I would share a multiple choice trivia question pretty much every day for a chance for you to not only play and have fun, but hopefully learn along the way. But many of you asked, and so I answered. And after receiving a number of similar requests, I'm going to be moving some of my daily Disney trivia from my Instagram stories to my Instagram posts. Now, I'm still going to post a few multiple choice questions on the stories from time to time. But what the posts allow me to do is expand a little bit more on some of the details, secrets, and stories, as well as answer some of your questions about the who, what, when, why, and how. And I love doing this. I love sort of like going back to my roots and really where I first started with my first Walt Disney World trivia book, which I cannot believe was back in 2004. So look for new trivia and photos, both current and vintage, starting now again at Instagram.com slash Lumangelo. And also, by the way, I'm going to be sharing some additional Instagram-only contests coming soon. So again, definitely follow me there. This contest runs until Sunday, August 9th at 11.59 p.m. Again, go to www.radio.com, click on this week's podcast, use the online form there, because once again, you're going to play for the book, audio tours, vinyl sticker, magic band cover, and a mystery prize from my personal collection. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in this and every week. I hope you had fun, learned something new, and maybe hopefully the show brought a little bit of happiness and some of that Disney magic to your day and your week. Please don't forget to be part of the community and conversation. Talk not just about this show, the podcast, but anything Disney, Marvel, and Star Wars in general. It's fun, it's free, it's completely family-friendly and drama-free, and you can come and be part of the community at www.com community. And speaking of community, and really it's more like family, I want to thank some of the new and longtime members of the WW Radio Nation. I sincerely appreciate you and your love and your support and your friendship and help. And I love being able to give back to you and say thank you each and every month. I want to thank some of the new and longtime members, including Ryan Payonk, Justin Kippenberger, Chris Bernhardt, James Soros, and Elizabeth Gransky. I want to thank and welcome you. And if you want to find out how you can not only help the show, but get exclusive rewards every month, including scavenger hunts, trivia quests, access to our private Facebook group, magic band covers, logo gear, t-shirts, monthly care packages from Walt Disney World, exclusive live video group calls, early access and discounts, and lots more. You can visit www.radio.com support 
Of course, it's completely optional. A great way for you to help show your support for the show and help the show continue. And of course, don't forget that a portion of your contributions, which can start at as little as a dollar a month, do go to our Dream Team project to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. In addition to you listening to the podcast, I would love to connect with you beyond the show. I am at Lou Mangello on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Again, don't forget to join the WW Radio community and like the page at facebook.com slash WW Radio. Also be sure and check out wwradio.com for books, audio tours, the blog, videos, our newsletter, and lots more. And if you have a question I'm going to answer on the show, you can email me, Lou, at WW Radio, or call the voicemail at 407-900-9391. Of course, in this current state of things, our meets of the month are temporarily on hold. I promise they will come back, and I cannot wait to see you in real life, in person once again. However, we still do have events planned starting in 2021, hopefully even before then, including our Marvel Day at Sea Cruise leaving out of Miami in January. To find out more, get a free and all obligation quote and see what else we have planned, visit our events page at www.radio.com slash events. And of course, these events and cruises and adventures wouldn't be possible without our friends over at MEI and MouseFanTravel.com who could help you plan your next vacation, not just to a Disney destination, but really anywhere on the planet. They're my official, they're my recommended travel provider because it's who I've used for 15 years and more importantly, it's who I trust recommending to you as well. You can visit them over at MouseFanTravel.com. And as always, my friend, and you are my friend, whether we have met yet or not, all I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening to this or your favorite show. Share a link on your personal profile or group or page to this or your favorite episode on Facebook. And if you can, take just 30 seconds to rate and review the show over on Apple Podcasts. Every single review is so incredibly helpful. I want to thank some recent reviewers like Christina C. who says, I needed this in my life. I haven't truly appreciated just how much joy all things Disney has brought me until the world really shut down. This podcast has really become part of my daily routine as I clean up at the end of the day. I love my family and feel fortunate to be able to be stuck at home with them, but putting on my AirPods listening to Lou and little Timmy and Becky is my daily escape from these difficult decisions I face each day raising two young children. Thank you for being a calming and positive voice during a time of uncertainty and bringing the Disney magic into my home every day. Thank you, Christina. Thank you. And Shardu says, I love, in all caps, this positive show. I absolutely love the positivity, community, and joy that shines through every episode. Lou's well-organized, engaging, and just plain fun to listen to. And as an Orlando native and Disney lover, I love the new things that I learn through the podcast every week. Lou, thanks for bringing love light and fun to us every single week sarah sarah you literally are as the kids like to say you're hitting me in all the feels because everything that you said absolutely embodies what i and what you who have helped create this community right i just built the clubhouse you pop it you that's exactly what you make have happen with positivity and community and joy and happiness and love and light and fun. So Sarah, Christina, thank you so much. Again, just search for WW Radio in Apple Podcasts or go to www.radio.com slash iTunes if you want to leave a review. And finally, I once again just want to reiterate just how much I love and appreciate you, how grateful I am to and for you. I know that your time is your most valuable commodity 
And I do hope that this show and this community helps make your day happier and inspires you to be better. If there's some way that I can help you, please reach out to me. Go to lumangelo.com, find some out some of the ways that we can connect and possibly work together. And I just have to quickly say again, thank you to you and everyone who took time out of your day to wish me happy birthday this past week. Um, I am not, my birthday has never been a big deal. I don't like mentioning it, but I wanted to acknowledge you and everyone who has taken time to wish me happy birthday. And as I posted on Facebook and Instagram earlier this week, um, I I do have a wish that I want, I am only repeating here because I I want to try and make sure that you saw it. Um, I, I don't have a cause that I want you to donate to. Uh, It doesn't require any money and really none of your time. You don't have to go anywhere or do anything or change a picture or use a hashtag. I just want you to do something that I would hope that you would do every day anyway, so it should be really easy. And it's actually going to have an equally, I think, beneficial reward for you as well. Uh, My dad always gave everybody else presents on his birthday. So I want to try and give you something as well. So if you'd like to try and do something, all I ask you to do is this, whether you are home or if you're at work, if you go out somewhere to the grocery store, wherever it might be, just take a second to perform some simple, small, random act of kindness for a complete stranger. Pay for their coffee at the drive-thru or the restaurant. Give somebody who's maybe working outside a bottle of water. Let somebody behind you go in front of you in line buy a lottery ticket for somebody who's at the convenience store behind you and just offer to help somebody who needs it or just be extra kind to everybody you encounter both online and in person. Yes, I'm asking you to not just choose the good, but do the good today and every day. Um, you'll find that, you know, the as good as it's going to make you feel, and I promise it will, it, it starts to become habit forming and, and be the reason that somebody is happy today. And if you do, let me know what you did. And if you like how it feels, let it become a habit. Thank you. I love you. I appreciate you so, so very much. So until next time, I really do hope that this is your best week ever. See ya. Hey, Lou, this is Dawn. I just finished up listening to episode 593 about the Disney villains, and I was so excited to hear you read my review from the Apple Podcasts on the air. Um, I'm traveling Photog, and I thought, since I was calling anyway, that I would share my input on Disney, a favorite Disney villain, which I think kind of gets overlooked, but I love the Headless Horseman, and I love the the whole Ichabod Crane story and Sleepy Hollow, but I really love seeing the Headless Horseman during the Halloween parade at Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party, so for anybody else out there who loves Headless Horseman, virtual high fives love the show can't wait to listen every week whoops Lou I got cut off (laughs) it's gone again but I just wanted to say yes I love the show I listen every week it's so fun I just started um the first 
uh, episode 594, the one with Walt, the part one, and like 20 minutes in, I was already like feeling the emotion. So I hope you are enjoying being back in the parks and look forward to everything you do. Thanks. Bye. James Mason is Captain Nemo, who held the destiny of the world in his hands. The real story of the ocean depths begins where you left off. Wonders that defy my powers of description. adventurous voyage through liquid space, our last frontier on the planet